we'll be looking at verses 18 through 20. Thank you, sir. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I'll be reading from the King James Version. And it reads, are you ready for me, Rob? Okay. And it reads, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Are you there? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Father, bless us tonight as we go into your word. Let revelation knowledge flow freely in this place, unhindered and unchecked by any force at all. We declare that none of the incorruptible seed of your word will fall by the wayside, and none will fall into stony or thorny ground, but it will fall into good ground and produce a tremendous harvest. Thank you, Lord God, that as your word is released, that it cannot come back to you void, vain, empty, or nonproductive, but it must accomplish that which you have sent it to do, that which brings pleasure to thee. So tonight, O oh God, we are in expectation of miracles happening, healings taking place, your wisdom falling into place tonight, knowledge and understanding, O oh God, being in the house tonight, strategy coming forth. We thank you for confirmation, O oh God, for you said that you will confirm your word with signs following. Thank you right now for the affirmation that comes to every believer in this place, that we're in the right place. Thank you right now, O oh God, for what the Holy Spirit will do in our hearts tonight. Thank you right now for what the word will do in transforming our thinking. We bless you right now, O oh God. We position ourselves, O oh God, in a position of faith that we may hear your word, O oh God. Hallelujah. And as we hear your word, we thank you that it shall produce the manifestation of your word. And we give you praise for it right now in Jesus' precious name. And everybody shouted amen. amen. Hallelujah. All right. Grab your Bibles with me. Lift it up in the air. Let's make our declaration. Then we'll take off running for just a few moments here in the word tonight. Repeat after me. This book of the law, of the law shall, not depart shall not depart out of my mouth. Of my mouth. But I will, but I will meditate, meditate therein, therein day, and day and night. I will observe, I will observe to do according, to, according to, all to all that is written, that is written therein. therein. For then therein. my way shall be prosperous and then i will have good success tell somebody i'm getting ready to be blessed you may take your seats glad to see you in the house tonight amen i'm glad to see you brother ed amen bless you you see two or three of me amen he's here tonight he's had uh, some eye w- things done earlier today, and and uh, we were not looking to see him tonight because of uh, the uh, just to check up on his eyes and things, and then they had to dilate and drop some stuff in his eyes. But he's here tonight. Amen. Amen. May the Lord strengthen your eyes as you're here in Jesus' name. Glory. 
All right, we're in our Kingdom Summit series, and uh, of course, in our Kingdom Summit series, we have three, excuse me, four emphasis that we uh, target, the four emphasis that we target, and uh, we target the, the summit that deals with uh, singleness, target the summit that deals with prayer, now we are in the summit that deals with evangelism, and then we will conclude the fourth summit that deals with economics. So there are the four emphasis that we have in the Kingdom Summit series. That is on singleness that we've already covered. That is on prayer that we've already covered. Now we're into evangelism and we will conclude with economics. Hallelujah. We've had a good journey thus far. Amen. Good journey thus far. And uh, we want to keep on going because as we move further in this, this is a word that I believe God has given uh, to us as a people um, because of the time that we're moving in. The Bible says that the interesting thing about Issachar was that he knew the times. Issachar, one of the 12 sons uh, of Jacob of Israel, he was the one who understood the times. And so um, I think it's important that we, as a people of God, in particular the leadership who leads the body of Christ, uh, that we should know the times. We should at least understand the times that we're in so that we can properly communicate the gospel in, in not just revelation, but relevance. Amen. Amen. I don't want to be preaching, uh, preaching the gospel, but preaching it to a 19th century church. That's out of season. That's out of time. I want to make sure that we're communicating in the time that we're in. And the Bible also shares with us that God won't do anything in the earth until he first of all shares those things with his prophets. Amen. Amen? So um, God has set up in his system, in the kingdom system, that in order for him to communicate in the earth, he reveals it first to his leaders, to his prophets, who will communicate and set things in motion. Amen? So I believe that this time that we're in has come with, um, with great uh, resistance, comes with great challenge. And uh, I really sense that the body of Christ is in a recovery mode because we had been for four, three, four years, we have been dealing with this serious economic challenge and pressure that our nation, dare I say the world, had been under. Amen. Just, you know, just this economic challenge and pressure in the area of our finances. I'm not there yet, but I want to say it because it, it had a lot to do with how things were being done. Our economy was challenged and uh, hard to stimulate the, the, the common economy. So then they had a stimulus package to come up and give people money to try to stimulate the, the economy to get people buying and purchasing again to stimulate the economy. But uh, the real deal is that God is moving. There's something happening in the earth. Amen. And I told you this before. I told you this before. Shared it with you before and I'll share it again. Scripturally speaking, this is, this is accurate because before there is a, a major move in the earth, a major move that takes place, it is always preceded by some level level of challenge and tribulation and turbulence. It's always preceded by that. Always preceded by that. 
always something negative that, that, that some force that comes negatively that precedes this breaking forth, breaking out. You know what I mean? That happens that God's doing. So I believe that we're in that time. And furthermore, it also discusses with us that there's going to be a shaking. See, and when there's a shaking that takes place in the earth, no one is exempt. Believers, non-believers, no one is exempt. But the key is you just have to hold on through the shaking. Because those things that are not fastened, those things that are, that are not uh, anchored down, is going to, the wind's going to blow it away as if it was chaff to blow it away. Amen. And those who re- will remain are the ones who will experience the next move. So don't misunderstand the shaking that you're feeling. It's not, the shaking has not come to destroy you. Amen. It's coming to get some of the stuff out of your life that you don't need. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. So with that in mind, God put this on my heart to share this summit. We're focusing in and we're targeting in on destroying that flesh. The flesh is an unwilling participant. The flesh is an unwilling participant in the things of God. It will always look to interrupt the things of God. Amen. The Apostle Paul says in chapter 7 of Romans that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells, come on, no good thing. Okay, not talking about my skin, but it's talking about my lower nature. It's talking about my old man. It's talking about my sensualities. It's talking about my low, my appetite, my animalistic type appetites. It's talking about living a life without the influence of my spirit. Amen. It's living soulishly and physically without any spiritual monitor, if you will. So when we talk about the flesh, we're really talking about our lower nature, the bad appetites. Amen. Flesh. Paul, Paul further said there in Galatians chapter 6 that if we would sow to the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap what? Corruption. Okay? We discovered that corruption is this corrosive type of action that takes place. It's an eating up. It's a destroying. It's a, it's a corrosive, uh, uh, eroding type of of, of, of element that just takes the quality of life away. It eats away at, at our best. So when we start sowing to the flesh, we're just going to produce in a harvest those things that will destroy us as a people. Amen? Amen. So we have targeted the flesh. We said the flesh is not going to have his way. Therefore, what we're doing is really targeting these spiritual things to build us up so we can live at the summit of our lives, at the zenith part of our life, at the highest part of living. Amen? We don't want to live low. We want to live where God wants us to live. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Not just abundantly, but more abundantly. Okay? That's the Zoe kind of life. That's the God kind of life. That God wants us to live. That's quality living. Living at your best. Living at the top. Living at the optimal point of life. The way God has designed life to be lived. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, tell, tell your neighbors a neighbor. I want to live life by design. I won't leave here until I'm finished with it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Too early to die. Still have some things that we're working out. Hallelujah. So now we're looking at this third component. This third component on evangelism. Evangelism is critical. It's critical to the body of Christ. In fact, it was what Jesus gave as an instruction to the disciples before he leaves to go back to be with the Father. He says to them in Matthew 28, he lets, he lets them know, first of all, in verse 18, the latter part, the B portion, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then he says to the disciples that he has trained now those three plus years, he says to them, go. Go into all of the world. Right? Go, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Okay? In translation, in, in, I believe it's in the New Living Translation. It is also in the NIV. I also believe that it is in the Amplified. Make disciples of men, of all men. So there is this disciple making that you and I have been called into to make disciples. Okay? Bring people into a certain discipline. Okay, not talking about good or bad, but bring them into a way (laughs) of living. My, my, my. Bring them into not just a way, but the way. Okay, and when I talk in terms of discipline, bring them into a certain way life should be lived. Amen. Hallelujah. I was sharing uh, earlier today, I had a meeting with uh, one of one of my daughters in the Lord, I don't see her here, but I had a meeting with her earlier. And as we were talking, I, I was sitting at the conference table, and I took my eyeglass case and I took my pen that I had, and we looked at the big table, and then I took my eyeglass case and my pen and I put it on the table, and I was sharing with her. That before you know who you are, you can live all of this. The whole table is yours to live. All of this is yours to live. You can live any kind of way you want to live. You can live over there. You can live back there. The whole table is there to live on. I said, but the moment you find out who you are, the moment that God puts his hand on your life and brings a consciousness into your being, As to who you are, your purpose for being here on this planet, your life is to be lived between these two things. Okay. I said you can live outside if you want. That's available. But once you find out who you are and your purpose, there is no grace over there. Your best life will be lived in between these two boundaries right here. I said, narrow. I said, now what happens now is now no longer is it broad for you. Now you have to live in this narrow way. Because everything outside of these borders does not feed who you are. There are, there, there is no recompense for living over there from God. There is no compensation. 
that comes from God if you live outside of the borders, outside of the boundaries. You are to live in here. Which means that all that you have tried to live, this table, you now have to now, you know, make sacrifice. Come on, sacrificium. Sacrifice and live here. There, and, and I said inside of here, there are no restrictions. You live it to your best. I mean, fulfillment happens in here. Everything you need is right here. Don't look at it as just some narrow place of restriction that God's trying to prevent you from doing other things. No, no, no. He's trying to get you to the place to get everything you're supposed to have. Right in here. See, that's discipline, y'all. That's what discipline is. That's what being a disciple is. Finding out who you are and living right there. All that's available. Come on. Lawful, but what? Not expedient. Brings no profit. God's not going to ask you. He's not going to ask you, what did you do with that stuff over there? No. You're going to tell him, I've done all this. I've done all that. And I, and I, and I share with her. I share with her. People at the end of the day, at judgment day, they're going to say, I did this and I did all of this and did all of that. And God's not going to step in any of that because he's going to judge them based upon the gifts and the callings that he has given. Did you do what you were supposed to do with what I gave you to do it with? Yeah. Then I told her what's going to happen for some is they're going to hear that voice. Depart from me. You worker of iniquity, for I knew you not. That's discipline. So now, don't want to get too caught on that. But what happens now, because we're looking at the text, Jesus tells them now to go, therefore, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. He gives them responsibility. Hallelujah. Now, the responsibility that we have as a church, as, as the body of Christ, not just as the name on this building that identifies this local assembly, but the body of Christ, the assignment on us is to evangelize. We are told in scripture that we are to do the work of an evangelist. Mm. The work of an evangelist is heavy in soul winning, fruit bearing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the primary assignment of evangelists. Soul winning, fruit bearing. Yeah. They get excited. Real evangelists who are anointed get excited about the lost being saved. Watch this term I'm going to give you. An evangelistic spirit causes you to see the world not as evil. Well, follow me, y'all. But you see the world, I'm talking about people, as pre-Christians. You see them as pre-Christians. <laughs> 
So when we see the world, we see them in their pre-Christian state. That's a click-click right there. It affects your attitude. Yeah. Yeah, it affects your attitude. Because they're pre-Christians. May I say that all of us in here (laughs) who are born again, before we were born again, we were pre Christians. We were pre. Okay. We didn't know that there was a lifeline thrown out there. What's the lifeline, Hodge? Well, thanks for asking. The lifeline is for fathers and mothers who pray. That's what lifeline, fathers and mothers who were praying. For those who chose to get up off of their comfort and go into the community and do prayer walks. Those who will go into the community, share their faith with others. Come on. Those who would share the love of Jesus Christ just through living their life. Just the way they lived. Yeah. Yeah. Lifeline. Lifeline. Those who would come into the house, who would dare walk into the house of the Lord. And hear the preached gospel. Who would dare walk in here and get under this anointing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what happens to pre-Christians. That's what happens to those who love winning the lost. Y'all with me? Okay. Now, y'all just kind of, just kind of flow with me here. Cause I'm, I'm just, I just want to chase this just for a second. Okay, some of this you have heard before, but I need you to hear it again for the first time. time. Second Peter, go there. Second Peter three. Second Peter. Chapter number three. And let's look there at verse number nine. Second Peter three, verse number nine. The Bible says, the Lord is not slack. Are you there? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should what? Come to repentance. So, based upon this scripture here, we can see that it is not the will of God for any to perish. And being that that, that's not his will for any to perish, God is long-suffering. He's merciful. That just simply means that God is willing to extend time. Now, I'm going to drop this and I hope that you all can catch it. Okay. Your, the fullness of your days, sis, has already been calendarized by God. Okay. The absolute God's absolute best in the fullness of your days in this natural life, even after the fall, is numbered. Numbered. 
Brother Ed, your days are numbered. Okay? Now, when you generally hear the term, your days are numbered, a lot of you think, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay? But I want you to hear it differently. Click, click. I want you to hear that the maximum amount of days that you're supposed to be on this planet in this particular situation that we're in now because of the fall has been numbered. God knows every single day. He knows how long we're supposed to live here. Before either the rapture takes us, whenever he's coming, or we have to pass through and transition through that door called death. Or that portal called death. That's all it is now. Okay, before it was a bad thing, you know what I mean, before we got saved. When we got saved, Jesus defeated death. It ain't nothing but an entrance. It's nothing but a doorway into my next new. Or as we used to say, our next now. Y'all still got your t-shirts? Okay. But our days have been numbered. God knows every day. Now watch this. His mercy. Oh, my Lord. His mercy. And his long suffering has been measured out to the fullness of your days. So the time that we have, though we don't know how long that would be, because we live in a sin-cursed world. Of course, we don't know because either we're going to check out one of two ways. Either we're going to check out at the 120, I'm sorry, three ways. Either at 120 years, okay? Either we're going to check out then or we're going to check out because Jesus came, raptured the church, or we're going to check out because we have finished our course, all right? So finishing our course, you know, I don't know when that's going to be when I'm going to finish my course, okay? So either we're going to leave out of here under those three conditions, Okay? Now, there is a fourth one that will show up, okay, which is outside, that deals with our, I want to say this, it deals with the sinfulness of our condition. In other words, if we're not born again, or, or, or if we are born again and we choose to live carnally, then we will interrupt. Okay, at our decision, God extends to us. He is long suffering towards us, as the scripture told us, which means that he will give us the time that is necessary for us to make the decision. That's a part. I'm not here to teach it right now, but that's a part of what is called predestination. Okay, of which our time has been measured out. That's why he's long suffering But he's long-suffering to the degree that you and I are to be here. So he gives everybody enough time. So wishing someone dead causes us not to be a God thinker. That's not how God thinks. God wants people to stay alive Because he doesn't want to see anybody, he don't want to see anyone die in their sins. Thank you for reminding me, sis. How many of you know that hell was never designed for humans? 
its original design was for Satan, come on, and his cohorts, his demons, his, his fallen angels. That's why hell was created, right? But then as a result of people not giving their lives to Jesus and dying in their sins, the Bible says that hell hath enlarged herself. Now, Hodge, why are you saying all this? Because I want there to be this gravity, this compassion, this passion even that God has for people to be inside of you and I. As many people who have turned their nose up and turned their face to God and put their fist at God and shook their fist at God and have cursed God. Using profanity, curse God. Put their middle finger up at God. As many people have done that, it did not offend God. His love was bigger than their middle finger. Because he knew that the middle finger only meant that they had been infected by the world. Infected by satanic uh, 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 influence. That they're hurting, that they've had some bad things to happen. Y'all got to follow me because I'm going somewhere. Some things that happened in them that brought them into a disadvantage in life. And as a result of that, they're belly aching and they're upset because they want somebody to do something about it. So he understands why they shake their fist at him. He's never offended by a, shake, a, a fist that's shaking. His love dominates a middle finger. His love dominates profanity. Because he don't want any of us. Oh my God, if he'd have came in my worst day. Oh my Lord. My God. Yeah. Now, that same, oh God, help me. That same attitude is what we ought to have for people. For family members. I know, I know they're knuckleheads. I got some in mind. I have some knuckleheads in my family. Amen. I used to be one. I'm not, I, I walked out of that crowd. I'm not knucklehead any longer. But I got some in my family. Some knuckleheads. Now y'all got some too. Y'all don't want to admit it, but y'all got some too. Some of y'all don't want to go to your family reunion because you know he gonna show up or she gonna show up. Yeah. There's always someone trying to steal your money and you know, <laughs> somebody tries to steal your money. You know that's your cousin. Leave her alone. You know what I mean? This stuff. <laughs> She's fine. Man, that's your cousin, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. We, we got them. It's, they're there. It's in our family. But we, you know, we know how to handle that and manage that. But we have to have a heart that wants them saved. In fact, the, the, the worse they act should be a deeper prayer, a deeper concern, a deeper compassion that we have. Because if they only knew. Right? So God is long-suffering. That is, I'm only pressing this because that is an attitude that you and I need. We have to have. 
We are, I told you, we are one generation away from the extinction of the church. So who's going to do something about it? We are. God has called the church to turn the world upside down. I like to say it like this, right side up. God put you and I on this earth to fix it. (laughs) Y'all with me? Hallelujah. Now, I mentioned to you that there are basically three points to this evangelism summit. And that is telling the good news. Number two, announcing the kingdom of God or the kingdom reign of God. And number three, bearing witness or being a witness. Okay. Three points, telling the good news. Number two, announcing the kingdom of God. Kingdom reign of God. And number three, bearing witness. We closed last week by really dealing with number one, telling the good news. Y'all remember? Telling the good news. Then I said, not only are we to tell the good news by studying the word of God, applying ourselves to the knowledge of the word of God, you got to know you, you got to know the redemptive story. Pump your brakes. You got to know why you're saved. Because we are to give an answer to everyone that asks us of the hope that's within us. It's a shame to not to be saved, set free, and, and don't know how to explain it. Now, you can't explain the supernatural, but you can, you can know that it was the supernatural. You know what happened to you. Right? So, not only is telling the good news important, knowing, but it's also being the good news. That that what you are talking about, the word of God, the plan of God, right? Through Jesus Christ, dying on the cross of Calvary to redeem lost man from their sins, to reconcile men back to God, right? To reconnect men back to God, put men right back in right relationship with God, okay? But we must also be the recipient of that good news that we are declaring, That it must be a reflection on me that my life should have been proved as a result of, oh my God, the word of the Lord. As a result of the actual work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That my life should reflect it. Amen. Watch this. That my life should reflect repentance. My life should reflect forgiveness. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. That my life should reflect, watch this, don't get mad at the term, but I'm going to say it because the Lord uses the same term. My life should reflect prosperity. Don't get it twisted. 
I'm not just talking about money. Because in its lowest term, prosperity simply means to do well in your pursuit. But it should be a reflection of prosperity. Where, Hodge? In my thinking. In my decision making. Yeah. That that good news that I talk about. When I talk about my Jesus. <laughs> should be directly impacting my life. Yeah. That if by, by chance, if by chance, there is some type of sickness that comes and attacks my body, that my life should be a reflection of God's healing. Amen. Amen. That my life should respond to the gospel, to the good news. That if my head is hurting, my faith, because that's who I am. I, I, I live by faith, right? I walk by faith, not by sight. The just shall live by faith four times. It's announced in the Bible, four times. Th- those who have been declared righteous, we live by faith. So then as a result of that, that's my lifestyle. Then if anything tries to attack my body, I'm not going to deny that I've been, been attacked. I feel the pain. Ouch. <laughs> Big toe hurt right about now. You know what I mean? Got a little backache right around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not denying that it's there. I just deny it's right to be there. It is illegal in me and on me. Yeah. So my faith should be operating to the point where the good news begins to reflect in my life and push back the attack of the enemy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I ought to have at least one good testimony of when illness hit me, but I beat it. I ought to have one good one. At least one. (laughs) <laughs> now we all have a whole bunch but at least one you know what I mean so I can't just talk the good news or tell the good news I must be why if I, if I be I know that's bad vernacular but if I be the good news it gives credibility to our God oh man I can sit down on that one. no you gotta understand if I be the good, if, if I am the good news that I talk about, then it gives credibility. Now God don't, let me be careful so y'all understand me. Now, now God don't need you and I to vouch for him. But because he uses us as ambassadors and representatives, then he expects, oh my Lord, he expects now that we reflect him. He just built it into the plan. He could have did it any other way, but he just chose to use you and I. And because he chose that as his means of communicating about him and revealing him in the earth, then I ought to be a reflection of that. 
Y'all with me? Yes. Yeah, I want to be a reflection of that. It should be exuding out of me. Amen. It brings credibility to the body of Christ. It brings credibility to the work of the ministry. It brings credibility to you. Because it speaks directly of our God. Hallelujah. You don't want to be in a situation like it was when Elijah met with the other prophets of Baal, the 400 and the 450. You know, when Ahab and Jezebel was in charge. They went from, they were supposed to be serving Jehovah and they serving Baal. You don't want to be a situation like, like uh, Ahab and, and, and those were in. Elijah said, okay, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Right? Elijah had no problem. So them 400, they, they got together and they started calling on the Lord in the morning. Their God, rather. Baal. They called till noontime. From the morning up until noon. Ain't nothing happened. Elijah said, um, maybe he's asleep. You might want to call him a little louder. Maybe he's handling something in some other area. <laughs> right? And then they thought for sure that they would get his attention by cutting themselves and blood flowing. Because, you know, sacrifice, they was under that system. They thought for sure if blood, they would cut themselves and blood would flow, surely that would get their attention. Get, but Baal's it. No. Baal never, Baal, Baal can't see nor Baal can hear. He's called a dumb idol. That's what they call dumb idols. Can't talk. Now you got these 400 calling on Baal. Then you have this one walking in his confidence. He says, all right, y'all all set? All right, bring me the water. He, ripped, he wets everything. I mean, wet water everywhere. Water everywhere. And he calls on the Lord and here comes fire. They couldn't deny. Hallelujah. Because there was a reflection on that man. Hallelujah. Let me hurry here because I'm, I'm, I'm caught up. I'm caught up right now. But y'all traveling with me, right? We have to be the good news. Number two, let me go to number two. Number one was, the first point was telling the good news. Number two deals with announcing the kingdom reign of God or the kingdom of God. You have already traveled with me down this road, but, but indulge me, please. Go back over there to Matthew chapter six. Go back to Matthew chapter six. And look there at verse number 33. And Jesus says there in verse number 33, but seek ye first the what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He's talking to them about their anxiety because they're worrying about things. What they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, you know what I mean? 
where they're going to live, all those kind of things. He says, that is not your concern. Your concern is seeking me first. Make me primary. He says now, but here it is. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Okay? That's the rulership of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not just the rulership, but the government of God. Now watch this now. Remember, number two, this was announcing the kingdom of God or the reign of God, the kingdom reign of God. See, this is important now because when Jesus deals, go to John chapter 3. I'll just go here. John chapter 3. Mm-mm-mm. When Jesus deals with, with, with Nicodemus. <laughs> no, when Jesus deals with Nicodemus. Pastor Rita Trigg was here, and when she came here, she called, she said she called him Nicodemus. <laughs> John chapter three. Look at, watch this, watch this. Verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Are you there? A ruler of the Jews. Watch this. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, watch this, verily, verily, I say unto unto thee, except the man be, what, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you see that? I got to read it again. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That is so important right there. See, in number two, in announcing the kingdom reign of God or the kingdom of God, it is so important because we're actually now beginning to share with them the born again experience. But the born again experience makes no sense to that natural man. It makes no sense at all. It makes no sense. Because except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. He, he does not understand God's government. Does not understand how God operates. The only way to understand the government of God, how God rules his kingdom, is you must be born again. You've got to be born from above. You've got to be born again. This, this, Renewal has to take place. This regeneration, that's the word I'm looking for, has to take place. The spirit man who died at the fall has to come alive again. And the only way he comes alive is if we are born again. And Nicodemus wanted to know how you do that. Because in his natural mind, he's trying to figure out, how can a man, when he's old, go back into his mama's womb? He's trying to figure out, how do you do that? Jesus said, no, no. <laughs> Looking at natural laws, I understand why you're having a problem here. But I'm talking about spiritual matters. Mm. Talking about spiritual things right here. A person can only understand the kingdom of God when he's born again. So now, what we have to do is announce the kingdom. <laughs> we, we have to 
We have to announce, we have to declare the new order. First, we have to tell the good news, be the good news, number one. Then we must announce the kingdom of God. Declare the kingdom of God. We have to reveal the kingdom of God. We have to now talk about God's government. God doesn't operate the same way you operate, baby. No, you got to understand, the way you go up is to go down. If you want promotion in life, you got to humble yourself. That's the kingdom way. If you want to increase, you got to give. We have to announce God's kingdom. See, and watch this now. (laughs) When we announce the kingdom of God, when we declare God's order, how God does what he does. When we declare it, there is something supernatural that takes place that you and I could never do in the natural. Our responsibility is to declare it. The Holy Ghost has a responsibility to reveal it. No man can come to God except or save the spirit draws him. But how can he draw if there is nothing to draw with? Okay. Y'all with me? Mm, 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 mm. Travel with me. Keep what we're talking about. Keep that in mind. All of this goes together. Don't lose it. Come on, tell your neighbor, don't lose it. Go to Isaiah. Go to Isaiah. I'm almost done for the night. Go to Isaiah 52. Because as we're dealing with this announcement concerning the kingdom of God, it is not a new concept. The the wisdom of God is such that in the Old Testament, God used that system of monarchy. In fact, let me just go ahead and say it now, just so you know. God's government never was democratic. For the people and by the people. No. See, and and, and I have to say this to see if I can awaken this Western mind. Okay. We have Western Christianity. Here. We live from a Western perspective. And what I mean by that is where we are located geographically in the earth, we live under a system that is a democratic system. Whereby we elect a president. And we tell him he's the president. But he's limited in his power. 
The deacons, I mean, the, um, the, the legislators have more. Hey, the, the, the legislators are the deacons of the, of the, of the country. They're the deacons, the trustee, the trustee. Let me stop. I don't want to offend nobody, but you see the analogy and see, and what happens is we democratically, which means that we all have a voice to decide who's going to be in the office. And then if we don't like what he's doing, we also have the right to lobby, lobby, write letters, talk to our, uh, our, our, who are they? Our reps, our congressmen, right? And to, to do things that will give us a voice, right? So that we can, at some point in time, we get enough around, we can impeach him. We can get him out of there. See, this Western thinking we bring into the kingdom of God. So we're very relaxed about how we do things, right? And we take certain privileges that we really don't have. You'll never be able to vote God out. Through through your scientific lens, you'll never be able to vote him out. Through your evolutionary, evolution lens, you'll never be able to vote him out. Through the Dalai Lama system, you'll never be able to rule him out. Mm -mm. Through Mormonism, I'm sorry, but I don't care. You'll never be able to rule him out. You can't vote him out. Through Muslim, no matter if you are a traditional Muslim or the new age Muslim, you'll never be able to vote him out. You can't rule him out. Whatever lens you look at, you'll never be able to get him. He's God. Nobody has been able to beat our God throughout history, throughout human history, even beyond human history. There's been nothing that has been able to overthrow God. Many have thought that they got him like Satan thought he had him when they killed Jesus, not knowing that he was just succumbing to a plan. He told him before he died. No man has to take the power to take my life. He said, I will lay it down. And then when I'm ready, I'll do what? I'll pick it back up. He said, in three days, I'll rise again. They killed him. And they partied forgetting what he said. Friday. They celebrated. Saturday. They celebrated. Sunday. Their celebration was interrupted. Upon arriving at the tomb, the stone is rolled away. And depending on what gospel you're looking at, you might have two angels in there or you might have one. But nonetheless, he ain't here. Why look for the living amongst the dead? He said he was going to do it. He's up. Our Western mind, our Western mind tries its best to wrap itself around that concept. And every time we go to believe it, because we do, we also have to contend with a democratic process in our head. So the kingdom of God, though, is not a new, is not a new concept. 
God used that in the Old Testament as a precursor so that the earth would understand how he operates. Now, what we will do tomorrow, I will jump, for, I will jump deeper in the 50, Isaiah 52, but let me give you this overview and then we will call, call it an end for the night. And that's this. As we're looking at Isaiah 52, we see that God is dealing with a people who are in exile. Okay, you, you got to kind of follow me real quickly. He's dealing with the people who are in exile. His people. Everybody say his people. His people, his people had kings over them. But he was king of kings. But he's dealing with the people, watch this, who were in exile, which means that they were captured. You got to kind of see the analogies here. They were captured. Their freedom was taken from them. Their identity was taken from them. If you know historically what they did, in, in, in scripture, in some cases, in Babylon particularly, they would change their names. Yes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. All of that wasn't all their names. Yeah. They were given names. Some of y'all don't even know that Daniel's name was Belteshazzar. They, their names were changed to, to speak in terms of to, to, to take their identity from them, to make them like the nation that they're in. Bondage. Everybody say bondage. The plan of the enemy is to steal our identity and put us in bondage. And at the fall of man, we lost who we were. Oh, man. But let me, let me hear it. Let me hear it. So they're in exile. But while they're in exile, they hear God speaking to them. And God says things like, I will take you back to your land. He God would say things like, I will heal you. Yeah. He would say things like, I will deliver you out of the hands of your enemy. God would say that. The Old Testament, particularly in the prophetic books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all those books, God is speaking to a people who have been captured in bondage, who are in exile, that he promises, I'll get you out of this. Yeah. The Bible says in the New Testament that Satan is the God of this world. Yeah. Yeah. And he has put blindfolds, not on the eyes, but on the minds. Because if I can block, if I can block your thinking, 
I can control you. Okay. Mm, 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 mm. So when God tells them that I'm going to bring you out of your exile, when God says, I'm going to restore your city, when God says, and he uses the term, I'm going to bring salvation to you. He says, and your walls shall be the walls of salvation. When he talks like that, he is actually declaring redemption. He is using evangelistic terms to tell them, I'm going to win you back. So now, and I will close. We will pick it up tomorrow and 52 will dig deep. So then now, watch this. When we take that scenario of how God dealt with the people and talked to the people and gave his word to them to bring them out, we bring it now because it is the same God who's talking today. And the only way that the world will understand what he's saying, oh man, is if you and I have been uh, impacted by his kingdom, we have been born again because you and I being born again is actually part of God's restoration plan of how kingdom operates. Because what we will do in a society that has a government call him president who is a democratic society, when we are born again, we will respect where we are, but we will live by where we're from. Y'all remember that lesson I taught, right? Living in two worlds. We understand that it's a democratic society. We respect those who are in office. We're told to pray for them. But we understand they are not the final word. And and watch this now. When sickness hits, you got to understand. When it causes you to be disabled. Okay. When you're disabled, what happens, it it affects your freedom to move around the cabin. It affects your freedom to move where God wants you to move because you have a debilitating issue. So you are now immobilized. Can I use a better term? You are now locked up in a prison of sickness. You are now, you now have been captured. Oh, Lord have mercy. See, and the world don't know what type of prison it is in. The world skips up. You know how it was. We did it hard when we were in the world. How many of y'all went hard when you're out there? I went hard. I went as hard as I could go when I was out there. Amen. Amen. Living it up in sin. And I lived it up in sin because of the ignorance of sin. 
I told some of y'all heard me say this before. I'll say it again. Sin is insanity. It, 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 it is a moment of insanity. It blinds you. It makes you act dumb. Did I say that? Yeah. That came out? Okay. It makes you... <laughs> It makes you act like the Babylonians. How's that? That's better. Okay. It makes you act like who you are not. And so when we bring the gospel, because I got to stop. When you and I bring the gospel, share, share the good news, tell the good news, be the good news. Then number two, start announcing the kingdom of God. What we are doing now is we are actually evangelistically declaring that there is a new order in place. We're doing the same thing John the Baptist did. As the forerunner of Jesus, the Bible says that he went out there into the wilderness and he began to declare, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. God, his rulership, his kingship, his government is at hand. It has now come to the earth. It is no longer just located up in the third sphere of heaven. It has now come to earth. It's sitting on top of this government. It's ruling the government that's in place now. So when we announce it, what we're telling them is that you're over here anyway in the West, that your Western ways ain't going to work. That there is a new order, but don't fret, don't fret, because the new order will deliver you out of the hands of those who captured you. You've been ignorant and you thought it was okay. They gave you a lot. You got a license to be ignorant. You got a license to do things that you should not do. You have been given a license to hurt people. You don't even know. Hallelujah. So God puts us here to announce his kingdom. Good news. The gospel, I'm telling you, the gospel is good news, y'all. Oh, it's good news. It's good news. I tell you, I tell you, it, I tell you, uh, when it comes down to understanding what evangelism is, I tell you what that word means. It means to promulgate the gospel. It means to announce it, to declare it, declare the good news. Hey, you that are poor, got good news for you. You don't have to be poor anymore. Do you want to know how? I have the answer. I have the solution. It is in Jesus. I'm going to show you. You can go ahead and start playing some dinner music. I'm going to show you. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you probably the first Saturday in October. I'm going to invite you in to watch. 
to watch a documentary of the Contempo Crusade that we went on last year. I'm going to invite you in because I want to, sh- I want to show you something on there. It will, it will grab you immediately when you see Muslims who have come because they're hungry. They come because they're hungry. They believe something else, but their hunger supersedes these dividing lines. When they hear about food, they don't care who's providing it. I'm coming to get something to eat. They came with their hats on. They came with their outfits on. They were identified as Muslims, but they gave their lives to Jesus. No, you don't get it. They came running to Jesus. Appeal made after the preaching of the gospel, and you could see them running to the altar. Now, now, see, I'm going to show you. Because we announced, watch this, before we fed them, we announced that our God has brought food to you. Uh, I feel Jesus right now. We announced to the men that who did not have the cutlasses, the knives that they need to go into the field and work. We announced to them, we have cutlasses. We have knives for you so you can do your work to provide for your family because God has provided for you. We announced to them that Jesus has sent us here to bring medicine to you so that you can be healed. That's what we said in our preaching. Before we fed them, before we did anything, we announced that Jesus sent us here to do this. Now, who wants Jesus? Do you have pain in your body? Well, Jesus sent us here because he wants you to know that he wants to heal you. Hallelujah. Got no time to think. I better stay with my God here. No, no, no. I've been in here like this. For so I'm getting up out of this. I've been in exile. I've been in trouble. I've been in pain. I've been abused. Oh my God. The abuse that I heard. Because on the day of medicine, my assignment was they sent me into an area to pray for the people after they received their medicine. And they would come and they had lines. And the stories, can I be honest with you? Inside, I was saying, God, get me out of here. Not that I wanted to leave a people, but it was so much. It was so much like, and they weren't bashful. They just said it out of their mouth. You know, I had a translator and something over here, I'm like, Oh God, what do, what do I pray? Because they expect that when I pray for them, they're going to be changed. They're going to be, they expected that. And some of them came demon possessed. So the moment I started praying, they started convulsing. They started rising up and falling to the ground and flopping on the ground. I'm like, oh my God. 
Because many of them were sick because they were demon possessed. Yeah. But we went and we announced the kingdom reign of God. We told them good news. And they went back home after the first night. They went, some of them went back to the village. Others, others slept right there on the ground. But some went back to the villages who were nearby. And the next day, more came because they told it in their villages yes. even more. I want you to see that. Because I'm going to tell you what's happening. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It's going to sensitize you. It's not going to give you that. You're not going to be pitiful. But it's going to do to you what it's doing to me. I believe simply that if I go into the middle of our neighborhood and just begin to declare Jesus, I believe they will rally and come. I I actually believe that. I believe that if we go in the center of our neighborhood and set up and begin to declare Jesus, that he sent me here to get you out of your trouble. That God has sent us here to bring food to you, to your children, because he cares about you. Trust not, oh my Lord, in man. But trust in the living God. I believe if I go preach that, I believe the people will come. In my mind, in my heart, in my meditation moment last night, I have to admit to you all that God said 50 people feed and clothe. Feed and clothe. 50 people in the community. Go and and feed 50 people. Go, not here, not in this building. Go in the community, feed 50 people and clothe 50 people. When you run out, you run out. Replenish and come back. And they will know when you're there. They know that when you come around, you're bringing Jesus to them. We have to bring God's government back here. We have to bring a consciousness. We have to announce that a new government here is here. See, and you can't worry about those who think you're crazy and lost your mind. Because what we're not going to do is we're not going to disrespect the government that we're in. Scripture teaches us how to obey them that have rule over you. Scripture teaches us how to live where we are. But that ain't no different than what the Bible was because people were living in all kinds of strange conditions and they were told how to live in those conditions. God told the people of Israel when they were in Babylon, when Jeremiah was prophet, he said, no, y'all going to be here. You will be here. Okay. You're going to be, I believe it was 50 years. I believe it was. I have to, I have to research to get the right number if that's wrong. Seven, thank you. Seventy years. You're going to be here seven years. And prophets rose up amongst them telling them that God's going to get you out of here sooner. God said, don't you listen to them. You will be here 70 years. But let me tell you how to live in those 70 years. He says, he says, marry. Plant your gardens. 
Yes, he did. He said, seek the peace of the city. He told them how to live in exile. Ain't no different than the day. We know how to live in this. But we bring a new order. King, (laughs) Mr. Obama, live forever. But we're not careful. I'm going back to Daniel's day. How to answer you concerning this. We ain't bowing. We ain't eating your stuff either. Much respect. I'll eat the beans. I'm fine. I'll go ahead with the pulse. I'll just eat. eat. We're not bowing. Not eating the king's meat. Not going to do it. That man got all them kings on his side. 